Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No them. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, J- President shutdown update. A lot to talk about this week. We had to take a break last week because of uh, uh, office issues related to the coronavirus shutdown. But uh, I'm here with you on my home uh, with a special update on the current coronavirus, all the hard work you expect us to do, even during uh, this crisis. We've got a, a big ongoing document. Uh, that show that uh, Hillary Clinton had a major cover-up going on on her behalf, thanks to the FBI. And we're also in a big court with, uh, believe it or not, Mayor Buttigieg, who uh, doesn't want to testify to Judicial Watch. I guess it's no surprise, uh, but uh, something to update you on that. Uh, And then on top of it all, we have really startling new reporting, General Justice Department showing that the FBI and Justice Department are a complete mess when it comes to uh, major, major FISA-gate fraud that goes legal targeting of uh, President Trump. So uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, first, I know there are many people hurting right now uh, because they are facing loss of employment or they've already lost their employment. I know there's been this giant stimulus pass that uh, might ease temporarily uh, the concerns of services and uh, will help uh, some people out with uh, some extra cash. But the best way uh, to uh, get uh, people whole again is to get them back to work. And I am uh, continuously concerned about this national shutdown. I think uh, the governors in many states are overacting and they should allow businesses to try to get back to work. Uh, where appropriate, schools should try to get back uh, to schooling children, and uh, the country is can't be, uh, uh, it can't be that the way to solve the pandemic crisis kill our economy. Uh, the employment numbers this week. Every day, we know the president suggested that we at least maintain social distancing. Uh, then we are facing twenty to thirty million unemployed. Sick. I don't want your family to get sick. But the solution to protecting people can't be destroying our economy. It just can't be. There's got to be a way of moving forward while taking care of people's health and maintaining separation or whatever steps are necessary uh, to uh, to uh, allow us to try to get back to work. Here in Columbia, uh, you're threatened with jail if uh, you violate their social separation standards or their stay-at-home orders by the mayor. And it's, it's similar in us. I was just outraged earlier when I saw a local official in Dallas elicit uh, people to uh, turn in businesses, non-essential businesses that may be operating. I mean, is this where we've come to? And I, this, is, this is my perspective on things. The president last week wanted to begin to reopen the government. It should be reopen the country. And uh, he got pushed back from the anti-Trump forces in the media because they attack him no matter what he does and what he said. Uh, and it's pretty clear that the public health uh, at the federal level didn't have to happen. And so in order to convince the uh, president to keep on pushing for a national shutdown, uh, they came up with, and I'm going to say they made him up, but they, they used numbers that were dramatic, that said, even with mitigation, we'll, we're facing 240,000 deaths. Completely out of the blue, these numbers show up. We hadn't heard this before. And uh, so what, now what they're telling us, so they, they, they say that in order to corner uh, him, I believe, into issuing this uh, 30-day uh, push, which allows states or gives states cover uh, to keep people in their homes. Uh, but but even now, the numbers aren't what they're supposed to be in the sense that uh, the one day this, they say is 100,000 deaths 
even relation. Just think about that. Let's say the Chinese deaths are off by a factor of 10. So we're going to be three times as many people dying as finding the use of hydrochloroquine. Are they defining, are they uh, using, excuse me, are they using um, uh, uh, people using masks, which would, in theory, uh, curtail the spread? I mean, there's mitigation and there's mitigation. And if I were the president, I would be asking each and every day, what is for this continued destruction of our economy? And I want to be clear here. The, the, the uh, CDC guidelines and the 30 days to stop the spread, there's nothing in there that's objection. I want you to review them. They're on the president's website, whitehouse.gov, cdc.gov's uh, website, see uh, the mitigation guidelines. There's nothing in those guidelines, there's nothing in the 30-day to stop the spread analysis that says shut down everyone in your state. So these shutdowns you're facing, and I think the president should separate from this because he's not responsible for these shutdowns. The governors are making the decisions. Your governors are destroying your economies. And you've got to ask them, why, what is the basis for doing this? New York is in a, in a terrible state right now. There's no doubt about that. But even in New York, it's limited to a certain area of New York. And then, of course, you have this hydrochloroquine, which uh, is uh, being demonstrated time and time again. Good health officials, and I and I ask you to pray for everyone involved here, the victims, the doctors, the and yet the politicians. And the, and the officials, the government officials advising them. It must be a terrible burden and stress to have to think of uh, handle this, this pro how to handle this crisis. I, I, we, should, we should provide you know, pray for them so that the Lord is, at least provides them wisdom and helps ease their burden in this time of stress. But we're also citizens. And our, and our economy is being destroyed. There are real health, real health consequences, as the president noted, to people losing their jobs. The government can't spend enough money to make up for the businesses that are going to be destroyed. And it isn't just the restaurant industry. It isn't just the wine industry. It's our health care industry. Doctors' practices all over the country are being uh, harmed by this shutdown. They can't practice normally. There's a state of Massachusetts how a, a big healthcare system up there is laying off people. We just have to have a different approach. If I were the president, I would be saying, look, one of the consequences of the pandemic is this tendency to panic and shut down our economy. That is dangerous. So we have to do several things to protect ourselves. We gotta care for the sick, sure that others aren't sickened and reasonably able to, and B, we gotta make sure our economy is able to function. It's simply unacceptable that our economy shut down. You can't cure or end a pandemic by killing our economy. You know, and we're not allowed to question these public officials. I sent out a tweet. How dare you send that email, that tweet around? I don't even say anything negative about it. I just thought it was interesting. But we didn't elect Dr. Fauci. We didn't elect Dr. Burks, who, you know, I, I watch and listen to intently. I think they've got important things to say and advice. But the governors need to their citizens. The whole Why isn't this hydrochloroquine being deployed more aggressively is what I'd like to know. You know if left to their own devices, the CDC, the FDA, and the rest, uh, they we would be figuring out some of these drug uses or having them deployed at all. Months from now, and thankfully, the president, at least on hydrochloric, he lit a fire under the FDA. 
The FDA was stalling it. They, you had governors banning doctors from prescribing for off-label use, even though it's perfectly appropriate. Perfectly appropriate. And the FDA said, yeah, this can be, uh, this can be used for patients outside of clinical trials. In India, they've approved the use of hydrochloroquine or so approved hydrochloroquine for the use of asymptomatic uh, family members of those uh, asymptomatic household members of uh, people with um, the coronavirus. So if your family member has it in India, you can take hydrochloroquine as a prophylactic. So what, what is the lesson there? If I were the president, I get on the horn to the FDA and say the following. We need to deploy this drug in an emergency basis, on an emergency basis, to the following groups of people. Frontline health including EMS and emergency personnel like police, those poor sailors and enlisted military personnel anywhere, certainly the ones on the Roosevelt, the passengers on those cruise centers down in Florida, they should all be getting this drug as a prophylactic. Will it work? No. But it is used as a prophylactic for malaria. India has approved it as a prophylactic. And given the safety of the drug, it doesn't mean there are no risks associated with taking the drug. It should be more widely deployed. And I'm not offering my advice. I'm, I, I see what the government India did. I see what the FDA did in allowing it to use it on an emergency basis. There's evidence that it can provide prophylactic protection. So where, where's the holdup? I, 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 and he had a doctor who's risking his life every day. He and his family has three doctors in his family. He's taken as a prophylactic himself. So I, I don't I don't mean to below the point, but this is the sort of thing we ought to be we ought to be pushing hard on. You walk around Washington, DC, the city's dead. I'm sure it's dead in your jurisdiction, your town as well. Unless you're lucky enough to be in a state that is in afflicted. With a governor who's who's fearful. Look, I'm not saying the governors are doing anything malicious or malicious. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But the solution can't be to destroy our economy, to raise the village in order to save it. I can't. Our healthcare system is being harmed by this shutdown. Jobs are being harmed by this shutdown. Lives are being harmed by this shutdown. And you know, the, the thinking is there'll be a V-shaped recovery. I don't know the economics here. I hope the V-shaped recovery. What is it? It means that we were doing this. We we're doing all here, right? And then the pandemic, and it went down here. And so the thinking is, once released or the the shutdown ends, it will go right back up. So it's an awful big risk. And in the meantime, people will have work. And if it goes straight back up, there are going to be many, many businesses who will be unable to open. Unable to open. So you can be sure that Judicial Watch is doing what it can to investigate this. We've got the FOIAs and thinking about the issues that you're thinking about, asking questions about, and we'll be doing that. And certainly we're monitoring the constitutional issues with these extraordinary shutdowns. This is a public experiment, folks. Never in the history of man has government completely shut down economies like this. Suppress a contagion. You're, there's a, you're a carrier. Something like that. But once you get into shutdowns, they're indiscriminate, meaning everyone has to stay at home. And long-lasting, meaning it's indefinite. In D.C., it's through April 24th. In Virginia, across the river, it's... In Maryland, there's no end date. Sure, you know, I don't know what the shutdown schedule is for your country, the woods. 
Now, Judicial Watch, you know, we've got court deadlines to make, we, meet. I mean, so we got we to we work. So we're essential in that regard. But uh, think of what's going on here in Washington, D.C. Everywhere in the city, everywhere in the local environment here, no one can go to work, practically speaking. Other than if you're the government, I got something to say on that in a few minutes. Obviously, that's true. What you can see from this video. But all of civic society that monitors government is shut down. It's really interesting, and I don't know if it's happened. I haven't followed at the state level if there have been furloughs. But are you aware of the government furloughing anyone? Are you aware of the government laying anyone off? Because the government ain't working, folks. They're the government that are need and necessary, and it's pretty clear they're working 24-7. certainly exposes how much of our government is unneeded, doesn't it? Because you see the parts of the government that are needed in this crisis. The rest, it's a luxury and a waste often. But they're shutting down everything, and they're still getting paid in the government, too. And I talked about this last week. FBI has told us its FOIA office is shut down. They're still getting paid, but they're telework, and because they, quote, can't come to work, but the FBI was an essential part of our government. But they can't come to work. So no transparency during this key part of our country's history. This is a crisis that will be spoken about and written about for generations. But if you want to ask the government what it's up to, at least the FBI, they're saying, we can't give you anything. We just learned from the State Department today, too. Not today. I think it was yesterday. In one of our cases about Spygate, the abuse of the State Department to target Trump, they've shut down their FOIA operation indefinitely as well. Word that any of the people who are working in the FOIA operation are getting paid or not, I bet you they are. Like I said, I'm not aware of the federal government cutting off the pay. Of I tell you what, if the government had shut down its employees, one of us, we'd be back at school, we'd be back at work. And I'm not saying we go back to school at work without any sensible guidelines to protect ourselves from this pandemic. But the priority has got to be getting us back to work while protecting the public health. So the State Department has shut down its FOIA, which means we can't get anything on Joe Biden, which means we can't get anything on the spygate abuse of President Trump, all that scandal stuff with Biden and uh, uh uh, the China connections to Biden. Wouldn't that be interesting to figure out right about now? Huh? Are we allowed to mention and the virus? I'm not quite sure. In the sense that it was the result of being of a lab accident or something purposeful in China. But today we're saying, oh, well, yeah, that actually may have actually happened. So I track as to when I'm uh, not supposed to say things the anti-Trump world. And I thought of this, and I've talked about this previously in our update, a lot of this has to do with, a lot of what's going on is um, guided by the maniacal, fanatic Trumpism of the legacy media. They hate Trump and everything. We get week, a week of suppression. Governors who hate Trump telling doctors they can't prescribe it in reaction. Not about the science or about the health of the Oh, no. I'd like to know how many lives will have been lost as a result of the media and attack, and frankly, the bureaucratic attack on the use of this hydrochloroquine and the associated ZPAC approach. You know, we're not allowed to make comments because we're, quote, non-experts. You know, the experts were telling us we didn't have to wear masks. The experts were telling us we didn't have to wear masks. The experts were telling us to go out and socialize. 
Now the experts are telling us the exact opposite. I'm worried. I'm worried about this disease. We got to get back to work. We got to get back to work. And I think the president's going to come back and make this clear. I, I, I just, you know, he said the wrong thing, and he's going to come back around to this. I know he will. But in the end, governor's decisions, don't you know? It's the governor's decisions. Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott, they held fast. They tried to maintain a sensible approach. Pressure on them was too much. What is it we do? We get the testing done to allow us to figure out who's sick and who's not. Deploy the that are best that we have. That's how we save the country. That's how we protect our health in the long run with a strong economy. Because our medical system will collapse as surely as surely as night day if our economy collapses. And guys and gals, it's collapsing. There's no, it's collapsing. There's no upside to this, economically speaking. Gas is cheap, but you can't drive anywhere. So, watch is going to keep on pushing on this issue. Or at least I am. Um, uh, you can follow my Twitter feed uh, to kind of keep you up to date as to what's going on here. But uh, you know, and I, well, they went through the anthrax went through a postal facility here in Washington D.C. called Brentwood. And uh, two postal workers, uh, officials in that facility died as a result of anthrax and came in and they tested that health facility, that postal facility, and they found it was hot for anthrax. And despite knowing so, they allowed workers to stay there and work there. And even after they cleared out the building, they sent workers back in to push mail out. So we, we and ultimately we get the information or what we wanted out of the lawsuit, but we represented all those workers. So I, I don't have any lessons from it. We'll be tracking that. Obviously, we'll see what happens over the next few months. So hopefully, common sense prevails and we start to get people back to work. Uh, but coming up um, also is, well, actually not coming up. That's the problem, is the lack of accountability for the criminal spying in place over at the FBI. We had uh, the admission that the FBI uh, gave at least two fraudulent warrants. The report makes it clear they knew uh, that it was garbage and they knew uh, that, and that you act FBI, one, at least one FBI agent targeting Carter and therefore Donald Trump. So nothing's been done on that, nothing. Durham hasn't prosecuted anyone. Attorney General Barr hasn't prosecuted anyone. I, I don't see any evidence that anything serious is going to be done. Even with the IG report, Judicial Watch covered much of what we already knew. IG just reconfirmed it in detail that we weren't able to get access to because we can't question people in person like the IG can. So uh, the IG followed up with another analysis of the broader FISA application process in the Justice Department FBI, and this report devastating. So I th I'm going on memory here, but the IG report is available on the website of the IG of the Justice Department. I think we can provide a link here, guys. Uh, the uh, it, They went and they picked up out of uh, 709 FISA warrants, they did a select sample of 29 FISA applications. And when you, pursue, when, you pers uh, when you create a FISA warrant application, there's something called Woods Procedure, which means you've got to make are, are, are checking out. So when you present a fact to the court justifying a secret spy warrant on an American citizen, you've got all your federal. And the FBI, DOJ found out of the 29, all of them were deficient in that regard. All of them. In fact, four of them, they didn't even have documentation and they were unclear if, if at least at least in three of them, I think, if any if it even existed. And why is it important? And I'm going to read the detail here. 
computer here. I'm going to put my glasses on. So don't really help me here. Read. I got to sit back for it. Actually, for all 25 applications with wood file, because remember, there are 29, but they couldn't find them. Uh, we have reviewed the date. We identified facts stated in the FISA applications that were, A, not supported by any documentation in the Woods file, not clearly corroborated by the supporting documentation in the Woods file, or inconsistent with the supporting documentation in the Woods file. And that's, by the way, a nice way for saying lies. And, of course, the goal and the reason these rules are in there are to make sure that the applications um, to the courts, the spy and Americans, this awesome power, are scrupulously accurate, scrupulously accurate. And they went back and asked about the supervision. IG did also looked at the supervision of the National Security Division of the Department, the senior Justice Department officials supposed to be working these people and monitoring them in the FBI, like checking and double-checking them. And they found that they would have had an opportunity to clean them up. And um, and even when they found something or, or looked at it, they didn't use it for any management. So you not only have this common fraud going on, you also had uh, no one watching the store in the leadership of the FBI or Justice Department. So President Trump and Carter Page are crime victims, but now we have evidence that five, no, 29. At least there's evidence there's 29 other Americans who are crime victims, meaning they were someone lied about them or failed to follow the rules in telling the court they had double-checked and checked you know, they got to certify this stuff to be true when they go to the FISA court. And this IG report shows that was not done. And it was casual. And it helps explain why they targeted Trump so easily. Because they didn't care about the rules because the rules weren't being enforced. They thought as long as they can get a court to sign on it, who cares? And what's the response of the Justice Department and the FBI? To the efforts against you know, their, their employment issues with some of the other FBI agents involved here. Executions. And no evidence that any prosecutions are forthcoming. So the FISA gate crisis continues, and what's going to happen? Nothing. Adam is focused on doing his coup attack against the president by turning it into a coronavirus-based coup. Oh, I know, he said he wants to impeach the president, but do you, you've, I'm sure you've seen the news, they're going to have a court of commission to investigate the coronavirus handling. What do you think that's about? And why do I say shift? Because he's intelligence committee. He has oversight and theory over this. And it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Certainly he shouldn't be head of the intelligence committee given his ethical misconduct and his abuse of power. Congress is going to do the job, and the Justice Department and the FBI is being asked to investigate itself. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, and if the degree it happens, it's going to be weak to you. And this is why I think the president, and I don't like special counsels per, generally speaking, especially the special counsel regulations that had special counsel basically answering to no one and uncontrolled. But the president has the power to appoint a special counsel. He can do it himself. He can do it himself directly. And I'd cover the I call I cover everything if I were him. I'd say special counsel. I want Spygate, and I want to investigate Hillary Clinton, because the two are connected. Because the same Justice Department that was protecting Hillary Clinton was targeting me. They were coordinating with Hillary Clinton on me. And it helps explain why the cover-up of her email. How do I know that? Well, we have more evidence. Believe it or not, that was a good plan. But it's seeing how it goes, isn't it, everyone?
We have new documents given by the FBI. This is before the shutdown. Uh, these struck emails that we've been getting FBI as they've been stringing us along at the rate of 500 pages a month or so. And of course, we don't even get the full 500 pages. I think this is 180 pages of the 500 they gave us. So, um, uh, so they've withheld more than they've given to us. But this is an astonishing release in that it instructs own emails. It shows that there was a month's delay between the finding of the Wiener laptop that had all of the Clinton emails on it and then getting a subpoena for the said emails. Now, I know they mentioned that in the IG report, and the IG report suggested that that delay, it wasn't unreasonable to uh, suggest that that day was caused by Strzok's animus for Trump because he was focused on Trump at that time and he didn't want to get involved with Clinton. On November 23rd, 2016, Strzok sends an email to Page with a Wiener timeline document. Now, who's Anthony Weiner? Anthony Weiner, if you don't rem remember, excuse me, was the husband of Yuma Abedin, who was Hillary Clinton's confidant, top aide at the State Department. Abedin was the only other State Department official, as best we can tell, who had a secret email account on the Clinton email server. Abedin's email were found all over on, uh, and who knows, and Clinton's emails accordingly, found on Wiener's laptop. They shared the laptop. So on 9-26-2000, this is in the, in, the, in the dead most important part, dead center most important part of the presidential campaign, they get a search warrant for the Wiener laptop, the New York State office, uh, New York office in, in the FBI. 9-28, this is what, there's a struck talking they find um, potential Clinton-related material, MYE, mid-year exam-related material. There's a conference call between uh, the New York office of the FBI on 929 and Strucking. And 19. New York office completes carving, which means it seems to me that they carved out the emails they thought were related to the Clinton email scandal. 10-21-16. Again, the, the tells the DOJ, what about these emails? Because no one was looking at them. 10-25-16, DOJ conversation with the deputy director of the FBI. Who was deputy director? Andrew McKay. Next day, there's a call with the DOJ, the struck team investi investigating Clinton and the New York office of the FBI. And they decide, oh, maybe we should look at this. The next day, call me on the 27th. And on 1030, they get the search warrant, get the documents, because they didn't get a search warrant, evidently. They just got a search warrant for the Wiener laptop because of his uh, sexual predator investigation. And then they finally get the documents. It only happened after pushback and pushback at it over the course of a month. So Hillary Clinton is protected for a full month. Peter Strzok and the FBI. From it being publicly publicly discussed that all of her Clinton emails, all there were a bunch of emails on the Wiener laptop. Now, Judicial Watch did get the emails, at least much of what we believe, the emails from the Wiener laptop. They were produced to us. It was classified information on Anthony Wiener's laptop. We proved that. Struck pretends to have reviewed it quickly. Uh, the, the thousands of emails. In a uh, in a record uh, in, a, in a in a pace that was 
that's not believable, meaning he didn't really, really review them. Because remember that Comey sent that letter to the Congress and then it, that we found some stuff and then he had to retract it later that, oh, well, maybe it's not terribly important after all. Got bal went ballistic. Believe it or not, I'm sympathetic to Clinton on the FBI's abuse, abuses, uh, 2016 election. I mean, Comey was a disaster. He thought he could be, he thought he Solomon. He, he conducts an investigation that was fraudulent. Uh, he knows there's a cover-up, so to protect his reputation, his FBI's reputation, he holds this press conference in July saying, oh, well, there's going to be no prosecution, but she's the worst person in the world. In his job. He should have just said, I'm not recommending prosecution. And then they do this fake investigation and, and, and suppress evidence, as demonstrated here. And in the middle of the election, he sends a darn letter to the Congress, again, suggesting more criminal activity by Hillary Clinton. And I believe there was criminal activity by Hillary Clinton. Comey's handling of the investigation was deplorable. It was political. Frankly, the only reason the FBI was doing much of anything was because people were complaining it wasn't doing anything. Barrett's by Judicial Watch was doing more work than they were. We were questioning Wittenden. They were using our FOIA documents to question people, folks. Can you believe that? Our FOIA documents were the basis for the FBI investigation of Clinton. So, excuse me, struck with forwarding, uh, was forwarding uh, garbage anti-Trump information within the FBI. So you've got this, a news article called FBI making inquiry to ex-Trump campaign managers for ties. Same day, he forced the page uh, a Mother Jones, which is a far-left publication. A veteran spy has given the FBI information alleging a Russian operation to Donald Trump, which, as you know, is bunk. So that's what Strzok is doing, sending around smear gar smear job op uh, smear jobs against. The oh, by the way, while he's doing this, he's supposedly reviewing all those emails. By the way. 300,000 or so that were found on the Wiener laptop, allegedly. Incredible. Incredible. I encourage you to go to our website for all the emails. I can go through, uh, because we, this is, this is a case where you've got to go to our, you've got to go look at the information because I can't, I could, I could spend two hours just talking about the emails we found just in this one release that we But go ahead, you know, and you got maybe all these FBI agents and DOJ prosecutors nothing to do in court or teleworking. Maybe they can go to Judicial Watch's website and look at our material. Maybe they can go over to the State Department right, and look at that report that violations related to mishandling classified and other sensitive material on Hillary Clinton's email laptop, email system, some of which personal. Maybe they can look at that. Or they can have all these emails showing obstruction and cover-up in the FBI and Justice Department. But I encourage you to do that as well. So another issue uh, is also the, um, this week at least, on um, Hillary Clinton is, now you may recall that Clinton is uh, subject to testi testimony in our Benghazi email records case. The federal judge ordered that she be deposed within 75 days, which runs on May 16th. And rather agree rather than agree to be deposed, she filed a unique and an, emer, uh, an emergency mandamus action, which is more against the court than even against Judicial Watch, uh, trying to get the appellate court to overturn and protect the, from having to be deposed. And in her argument is that uh, she has the indisputable right not to be deposed. She's to an important uh, a government official, 
or government official in this case, to be deposed by little old Judicial Watch about this. And you think I'm kidding? Go look at her, go look at her plea. The court's got significant questions about use of the email system to avoid. And what did her lawyer say in this brief? That court questions are beside the point. How do you like them apples? So uh, the coronavirus crisis hasn't stopped litigation. Certainly didn't stop Hillary Clinton from seeking emergency court action in her effort to keep out of question by our colleagues, my attorney colleagues, Ramona Kotka, that would be the lawyer questioning her. And Ramona and the legal now are worth testifying. And it's due today. And the courts uh, ordered the response of Hillary Clinton to that, the reply due on April 10th. So it will be fully briefed within a few weeks, actually next week at this point. And then the court will decide. The court will hold a hearing. It's an appellate court. These days, the courts have been holding telephonic hearings. But because it's a mandamus, they're often uh, indicted in terms of consideration by the appellate court. So we'll see what happens. But I, I just want to highlight that Judicial Watch is, keep, is, is keeping up the heavy lifting during the uh, coronavirus. Uh, we are an assistance in that regard, that's for sure. And along those lines, we filed an opposition to South Bend. Uh, South Bend, yes. We're, we're, we're in an email fight with South Bend, Indiana. Why is that? Because Mayor Pete Buttigieg, was mayor of South Bend when they implemented a scheme to provide voter ID, not voter IDs, excuse me, to provide IDs to illegal aliens. And Peter didn't want the city's fingerprints on it, so they had an outside uh, nonprofit entity hand out the voter, uh, the excuse me, I'm saying voter IDs, and I know that's maybe a Freudian slip, but it isn't, uh, the, to hand out the um, they had a third party hand these IDs for illegal aliens. And so they thought that around uh, the, the, the people's right to know by doing this. But, you know, Judicial Watch is smarter than the average bear. And uh, we asked for the words about this process, this project, and we've gotten a runaround. We seek the ramifications of this related to the creation of this ID card for illegal aliens. And we wanted to know whether personal emails were being used to conduct official government business, a la Hillary Clinton. Now, the ID card was created by La Casa de Amistad, a local not-for-profit corporation. And this, this is what they do. In June, uh, there was uh, a report that this uh, ID uh, or community resident card was a, quote, novel approach that other cities will replicate. And, of course, Buttigieg at the time was a candidate for the presidency. And the report on the program. He was even taking credit for it, it looks like. So we've already posed officials in South Bend about this. And we essentially, we got to talk to Mayor Buttigieg. They didn't say it in so many words. Oh, they did say it in so many words, but they didn't say it directly. Uh, it's He's the mayor. It's his emails. And we should be able to depose it. But he doesn't want it to be deposed. And we explain why his testimony is necessary, because we want to figure out whether there are records there, how they were maintained, what happened to them when he left, were they deleted, a la Hillary Clinton. And what what did he, what was he, he was supposed to do in terms of creating and retaining records? Only Mayor Buttigieg answers to these questions. He was mayor when the records would have been created. He was mayor when we submitted our request and they stonewalled it. In addition, he was mayor when the city responded to our request with virtually. And he's an obvious fact witness. So we've got a court battle right now. You know, and they gave us two city witnesses who, quote, didn't have the knowledge. That's why I mean they say in so many words you should talk to Buttigieg. They're playing games with his email, ask the court to allow Buttigieg to testify, and it just shows you what it is we need to do in order to get the truth out. 
we have a right to know about the mayor's efforts to to work with a private entity to provide uh, to make it easier for illegal aliens to re reside in the United States. This is why uh, this is an important issue. And we're supposed to follow, aren't we? And we've got mayors working with third parties to help aid and abet criminal activity. Yeah, criminal activity. So this is an important FOIA case or Access Records Act case. So uh, I don't know how the court's going to rule there. Um, it's before a state court judge, and uh, we should get a ruling pretty soon on that. So uh, Mayor Buttigieg, Hillary Clinton, like Adam Schiff, as I told you about, he's opposing our effort to get information uh, from him about his um, secret, uh, subpoenas of phone records of innocent Americans. Uh, he, uh, while doing that, as I note, he came up with more witch hunt type investigation. It's just incredible. Uh, these these officials want accountability for thee, but not for me, well, so to speak. So uh, we're we'll, we'll looking hard there. Uh, but uh, you know, the reason I would keep on saying voter ID uh, because this coronavirus crisis. I don't want to skip this over because it was a big the stimulus. The Corona bus, as I call it, the two point trillion dollar, two point two trillion dollar bill. Nancy Pelosi initially was trying to obviate or overturn the voter ID laws, thirty five states, in her initial plan. So the scheme is to have was to impose a vote mail system across the nation, with virtually no ability to check the voter ID of anyone voting by mail. And also impose national ballot harvesting. Now, thankfully, the president, um, the, the Republicans in the Senate were not playing that game, and they pulled it out. The compromise was to give extra money to a federal agency involved in election administration to help with states uh, manage their elections during the coronavirus crisis. But what I'm telling you is that the left is trying to use the coronavirus crisis security of our election nationally. They're trying to get mail-in ballots for everybody and everyone, which necessarily leads to fraud. It's one of the worst. If you're trying to protect against fraud, the worst thing you can do is mail everyone a ballot and then not require any ID to vote by mail. And so I, I, I believe we should just have the elections normal. But the idea that we have this massive vote by mail scheme is that it would be an abomination to clean elections. I say, I, 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 when I put it online, I use that. And they also want national ballot harvesting that would allow third parties to go around and collect ballots. Another for fraud. That 35 states require voter IDs in order to vote, some type of voter ID. Pelosi's scheme is to overturn all of that with this national vote-by-mail scheme. So they lost this time. They're going to come back for whatever the next bill is, and they're going to come back and come back and push and push and push. And I want you to know about it, and I want you to be calling your elected officials every time you think about the issue, both in your state and in your Congress. So your congressmen, your senators, your state legislators, and your governors. Voter ID laws. And if you live in a state you don't have a voter ID law, get them passed. Push for that. Because if you got, in our case, we've uh, our studies found most recently two and a half million extra names. Are those names going to get voter, uh, ballots? You move from Virginia they don't remove your name, moves into the house after you and gets a ballot in your name. That kind of work. It's mighty tempting in terms of voter fraud, isn't it? That's why we need elections. We clean election rolls because dirty election rolls can mean dirty elections. We're going to see that readily with this giant push for voter mail.
vote by mail. So that that is, you know, we're gonna we're gonna lose our economy, our liberty, and our right to select our leaders all in a few months, eventually, if we don't watch it, folks. Don't you think? So uh, I appreciate your patience. I hope the, this was uh, 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 a good substitute for our normal weekly update. I know I got as outraged as I normally do, even if I'm just sitting here in my house yelling at your screen here. But I've got a great team here that's working hard for you during this uh, coronavirus crisis. Uh, we're trying to educate Americans not only about what's happening with the crisis and we're doing it there, but we're also doing the other thing that's essential. I mean, we just can't shut down oversight of during this crisis. So uh, Judicial Watch is going to stand on moments for you. Uh, and uh, uh, our team is working as we speak, and we only do it with your support. So I encourage you to support Judicial Watch or if you aren't already at judicialwatch.org. And of course, you can see all on our website at judicialwatch.org as well. And, you know, not only support our work financially, but you should support our work by spreading the word about it. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're at Judicial Watch. We're at Tom Fitton. You can watch me on at Tom Fitton. We're on YouTube. Obviously, you're watching us here on YouTube and on Facebook as well and on Instagram and on Twitter. Whatever social media platform you're on, it's likely we are on. And if we're not on it yet, you can grab our material and transmit it through that social media platform. That's how we educate Americans. That's why the left hates us. That's why they attack me. Because sometimes I tell the truth about things they don't like. And because of the wonders of the internet, we're able to reach an audience they can't control. So I encourage you to our work not only directly, but by getting the word out. Because after all, we're, Judicial Watch is an educational group. We're, we're trying to educate people about happening. So to the degree you're able to help us do it, uh, thank you. And I'll see you next time here. And in the meantime... I hope you're able to get work. I hope you're financially sound. Most of all, I hope you stay healthy. Thank you very much. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.